Hey guys, Scott Short, Mason Enough Mortgage again here. My license number for in well, for me, <laughs> Scott Short is in MLS number two two five nine nine eight, and for a corporate number for Mason Enough Mortgage Corporation is in MLS number one one four one. I'll get the other way. So we're back into Linda Ferrari's great book called The Big Score by Linda Ferrari, and we're in chapter nineteen, and it says mortgage. The topic is mortgage and credit can't refinance it, can't sell it, and can't afford it. Let's start out here. It says, every day these questions are asked of me by Lena Ferrari, by frightened homeowners and mortgage professionals who are quickly trying to respond to financial chaos that arises from the subprime mortgage fiasco. So remember our book was written back in the old hundreds. So 05, 06 probably was written. And that's when everybody's melting. <laughs> so let's keep going here. Uh, like no other financial crisis in the country has seen since the Great Depression, the home lending fiasco has turned the American dream into the American nightmare. It's taken down millions of, of homeowners. It's brought to the global finance market to its knees. As cal- it's a, it, uh, says, and it has cal- um, catalyzed the that's a weird word implosion of massive banking environment. Blah blah blah. Right, the mortgage crisis has paralyzed and the hopes of the future of millions of homeowners who now are wondering how they will manage their their way through the credit, the loan, the lending crisis. How will, they, how will they manage their credit through the turbulent economic and financial stand, uh, strangeholds, stranglehold, I guess, stranglehold, sorry, stranglehold, ha, read, in which they find themselves in? Let's see. Uh, it is a relief. Is it a relief? Is there any salvaging of current housing market? What's the best path of consumers can get there, right? So it's on page 214. There are no questions that many families will have to, let me try it again. There's no question that many families will have to leave their homes. Their biggest questions now is how to most effectively do so without devastating their credit. And so they will someday be able to buy a home again. I speak with families every day, and I mean Linda, and I do too. And I am heartened by those who have the wisdom and emotional strength to face these tough times and head on. They will be served as well. Okay, with courage, right? Now is the time to tough questions to be asked and answered. Note, the guidelines in which I refer in the chapter are the recent selling guidelines of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Remember back in 0506, so it's old data for this part here. The two companies recently taken over by the federal government that own, uh, that own or guarantee about half the U.S. $12 trillion in mortgages. These companies base their decision on purchase mortgage loans on guidelines that are national policies. These guidelines mandate specific credits requirements and policy. That's true. They still do that. So Fannie and Freddie are currently underneath the, uh, what the name of Oh my gosh. It's, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, who cares? So they're underneath an entity of the federal government. I can't, their names escape right now. I see the letters, but that's okay. So let's keep going forwards. So they're, they're, they're basically under conservative ship. They call it next paragraph says there are no requirements on mortgage lenders to report negative information to the credit bureaus. When it comes to how a lender report the credit bureaus, I bring to their attention as moral supporter support on consumers' efforts to negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. Okay, location, local negotiation, huh? Location, location, location. Uh, kind of same theory, but negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. As discussed in chapter two, under the hardship flaws of the Fair Credit Reporting Act, clearly states that creditors are not required to report negative information to a credit bureau. That's good to know. There's more to the story, however. 
uh, it says, and August 13, August 13, 2008, announced that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac clearly stated that there's no place, no requirements on how lenders report mortgage fraud counts to the credit bureaus. In response to the frequently asked question about how these items should appear on the credit report, announcement stated, for reporting these actions on Fannie Mae loans, we require that servicers, being the lenders who take your payments, report to one of the major credit reporting agencies, but it is our policy not to direct specifically how to report various actions. Okay, I think they changed it since then, but hey, we'll keep going forward. This is a powerful and significant information in the credit, in the Fair Credit Reporting Act doesn't require lenders to report negative information at all or in a specific manner. And the nation's largest buyers, buyer of mortgage loans does not require lenders to report negative information at all or in a specific manner. This leaves the door wide open for negotiation, deletions, and non-reporting of these items. So I reiterate, negotiate, negotiate, negotiate. That's Linda. <laughs> Homeowners options and how they affect credit scores. Foreclosures, deed in lieu, or foreclosure, or short sale, or bankruptcy can all have long-lasting impacts on your individual taxes and ability to, to obtain credit. Homeowners need to get the facts before making critical decisions that will impact their lives for many years to come. Sorry, <laughs> years to come to go. The following is a breakdown of homeowners options and how each affect the credit score. There are several loan products available, but as I previously mentioned, Fannie and Freddie own a guarantee about half the U.S. mortgage market. So it is best to use their most recent selling guidelines as laid out in June 25th, 2008, 2008 announcement. Organize that's about 11 years old now. <laughs> so I think that probably that's, that's, yeah. I digress. It's changed. Okay. Foreclosures. Foreclosures is the legal process by which a bank or security creditor either sells or repossesses a parcel of real estate, own, home or land after an owner has failed to comply with a mortgage or deed of trust agreement with the lenders. Now, mortgage and deed of trust agreements are from different states. So California's deed of trust state, other states are mortgage states. Basically same stuff, but just different way. They word it in a different way they foreclose. Most frequently, the violations of mortgage agreements is the default of payment. The completion of the foreclosure process allows a lender to sell the property and keep the, process, the proceeds uh, to pay off the mortgage as well as any legal costs. The length of the foreclosure process varies from state to state. That's true. Some goes to judicial, so you go to court, so it can be longer, right? California, we basically have timelines that so here you go from this time to this time here. You get notice of default, get notice of foreclosure, the trustee sale, trustee sold the auction block and either somebody buys the auction block or as an investor or the bank takes it back. And there you go. That's California. Let's see. If the foreclosure property is sold for less than remaining primary mortgage balance and there's no insurance to cover the loss, the court overseeing the foreclosure process may enter a deficiency judgment against the borrower. Deficiency judgments can be used to place a lien on the borrower's other personal property, obligating the borrower to repay the difference or suffer the loss of one's property. It gives a lender legal rights to collect the re remainder of the debt out of the borrower's other existing assets. However, there are exceptions to this rule. If the mortgage is classified as non-recourse debt, okay, non-recourse debt was not very, I mean, I don't know any lender would do that because they want to get their monies. Non-recourse, the only time you see non-recourse debt is probably if you have a uh, self-directed IRA buying real estate, your IRA is a non-recourse loan to them if they borrow money, which, Hours borrowing money than a person, so I digress. Sorry, <laughs> keep going forward. 
says, then the event foreclosure says, non-recourse debt, then the event of foreclosure, the borrower has no personal liability. This is often the case with residential mortgages. If so, the lender may not go after the borrower personally. So that's, there's a little more to that, but I'm not going to dig down the hole. The lender's ability to pursue a deficiency judgment can be restricted by state law. In California and some other states, original mortgages, the ones taken out on time of purchase, are typically non-recourse loans. That's true. So basically what they said there, if it's it's your primary residence, one to four units, owner-occupied, there's a fourth thing I can't think of right now, um, that you 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 do have some stronger rights. If it's an investment property, being like a rental property, you, you have a recourse loan to come after you at that one. But still digressing. Keep going forward. If the lender chooses not to pursue deficiency judgments or can, can't be because the mortgage is not recourse and writes off, writes off the loan, writes off the loss, the borrower may have to pay income tax on unre, un, unrepaid amounts, even if they can be considered forget, uh, debt forgiveness or forgiven debt. So they're calling this, basically there's a deficiency balance of unpaid debt. So a lot of people will do what they call the file for um, insolvency to the tax people. So talk to your tax person if this happens to you or it's happened to you or whatever, that there's a deal called insolvency that may be able to get around paying this debt. Because it's called, it's basically called the, um, what do they call it? It's, uh, I can't think of the name of that. In reference to what they call this uh, unpaid debt. They have another name for it. It's called, uh, who cares? Go for it. How does a foreclosure affect credit? A foreclosure can be reported as a foreclosure or repossession and carries the most negative penalty on credit scores just under the public record, i.e. bankruptcy, tax liens, and judgments. There's a misconception that foreclosures are considered public record for the scoring system. However, they are not. Although there are public notice records on file, once a foreclosure is started, the record is completely different than a credit report's public records. Basically, public records for a credit report is going to be your bankruptcies, your judgments, and other things, but not, I've never seen a foreclosure information underneath the public records, always been as the mortgage lenders line up, say, you know, Chase Bank, foreclosure, or whatever. Didn't Lou. Okay, keep going. Unless the foreclosure becomes a public record, such as a judgment, which is unusual for California, but there has been sometimes you've seen judgments come after them, it can only be reported as a credit report for seven and a half years from the date of the first late pay and led to the foreclosure. That led to the foreclosure rate. Many consumers and lenders believe that if a seven years from the completion date of the foreclosure process, but that is incorrect. The foreclosure falls under the same rules of collection, charging off, or similar actions. Under Chapter 7, 14, under when does a seven-year reporting period start? There we go. A foreclosure can drop credit scores from 50 to 250 points. This includes points already lost due to delinquency payments. The difference in points lost depends on how many points someone has to lose. If the payment factor history factor of, of his or her credit report. This is someone who has a 720 score and they opt to foreclose their score by drop 250 points. However, if somebody has a 500 credit score, eh, they're going to drop 50 points, right? Because they're already down the dirt anyway. <laughs> if a legacy judgment or tax lien is filed in the, collect, in the connection with the foreclosure, credit scores can drop an additional, additional 100 points. So you can go from 50 to 150 or from you know, 250 to 350, like, ouch, that's a lot of hits right there for scores. So that's like, you go from 700 down to 400, like, is there 400? I guess there is. Keep going. How long before you can buy another home after foreclosure? The current guidelines from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac states that the wait period for foreclosure is five years. Well, Fannie and Freddie changed that, not seven years. 
So it doesn't come out from the date of transfer. So basically you go to foreclosure in California and the trustee sells the property to whoever bought it from the auction block or went back to the bank. That trustee's date when it sold there is the date we use for seven years out. Okay. So unless you have some circumstances that the lender will buy off on for something that's outside your control, it's got to be, can't be divorced because that's, you know, they don't take that as, you know, it's not in your control, but can't, it's not one excuse they like. Um, there's some things that happen, like maybe if you're in a town where it's only one business, kind of like I say coal mining business or whatever, that's the main, main employer. And that employer goes out of business, everybody has no jobs and that kind of stuff. So that, you know, that could help. But I never bet on these conversations because they usually don't end well. Hmm. However, if an extenuating circumstance, what I'm talking about right now, caused the borrower to enter into foreclosure proceedings, such as subprime mortgage crisis fallout, loss of employment from severe or a severe medical crisis, the waiting period is approved is three years. Well, I'd say more. That's that's old back in 08 stuff, right? So we're looking more to probably, you know, it won't be three years. So I think it'd be longer than that. But it's case by case. We'll talk about it later. In general, when it comes to foreclosures and how it affects the ability to obtain credit, in the future, there's a multiple op points of extreme negative impact. Deficiency judgments for the amount not collected by the lender in the foreclosure sale can end up on the borrower's credit report as a derogatory mark. Additionally, there's a high risk that the borrower will hit will be hit with a substantial tax penalty because it's called debt forgiveness. So when they give they give you debt forgiveness, you get a 1090 something as your tax return says you got to pay money on debt was forgiven. It's like okay, I lost my house. Now you're taxing me on stuff I don't have. Shake my head right now. Shake my head. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. As general rule, other other than bankruptcy foreclosure is the least desirable of all the options available when a borrower is upside down on the mortgage. Deed in lieu of foreclosure. One option of foreclosure is the deed in lieu of foreclosure. In this scenario, the borrower turns the house over to the lender and walks away with owing, uh, without owing anything. A deed in lieu of foreclosure offers several advantages both the borrower and the lender. The main advantage to the borrower is it's immediately released him and her from the most of all the personal debt associated with the defaulted loan. The borrower also avoids foreclosure proceedings and may receive more generous terms than he or she would have if they had a formal foreclosure. Mm, man, not sure about that. Adventures to a lender, uh, no, advantage to a lender is a lot cheaper, man. A lot cheaper, no lawyers, no this, that, you know. It's all good for the bank at that point. Um, in most instances, in order to consider for to be considered for in lieu of foreclosure, the total debt of the property should be secured by real estate being transferred. But both sides must enter into the transaction voluntarily and in good faith. The statement offers must be excuse me. The settlement offer must be at least be equal to a fair market value of the property being turned over. Generally, the lender will not proceed to deal with foreclosure if the outstanding debt on the property exceeds the current value of the property. You got that one, right? Because the agreement must be voluntarily, lenders will often not act upon a deed in lieu of foreclosure unless they receive a written offer from the borrower that specifically states that the offer is to enter into a negotiation is being made voluntarily. This will enact the, the this will this will this will enact the parole evidence it's kind of a weird word rule that protects the lender from the possible subsequent claim that the lender acted in bad faith or pressured the borrower into settlement. Both sides may even proceed with settlement negotiations. Neither the borrower nor the lender is obligated in, to proceed with the deed in lieu of foreclosure until the final agreement is reached. Next paragraph. 
How does a dealing foreclosure affect the borrower's credit score? Most lenders report a dealing foreclosure as a foreclosure, so the credit scores will carry the same serious effect as if they were actually a foreclosure. However, borrowers can negotiate with a lender to report the difference in terms of returning over the deed and avoiding foreclosure law, foreclosure cost. Many lenders will say that they cannot change their reporting status, but you now realize you can. Here are the credit reporting options in preferred order. Now, the first one, paid as agreed. Credit score will, be, will have already dropped over 100 points due to default in payment. However, if reported as paid as agreed, the borrower will be able to purchase another home in a shorter period of time. Eh, we'll deal with that later. That's, that's kind of like the short sale theory probably. Short sale, yeah, it's like four years after short sale, seven years after true foreclosure, so eh, we'll go with that one. Paid settlement. Credit scores could drop up to 100 points in addition to the points already lost for delinquent payments. When you make your payment, miss your payments, 30, 60, 90, 120, whatever, that adds up, that gets kind of nasty. Then you get the other 100 points for that, right? Ooh, bah, bah. Yowch. Foreclosure, see above. What? Okay, whatever. That's really this paid settlement thing. How long before you can buy another home after dealing foreclosure? The current guidelines from Fannie and Freddie state that the waiting period for dealing foreclosure is four years from the date of proceeding in complete. Let's look. Is that true? Can't see. 13. Look at my charts up here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Fannie and Freddie are saying it still. So that's good. I have some charts on my wall, so I'm to check that real quick. Then it says, if there's extenuating circumstance that caused the borrower to have to, to enter into a dealing foreclosure proceeding, the, the waiting period is two years from the date uh, uh, the date of the proceeding is completed, right? Okay, short sale, aka pre-foreclosure. Okay, we want to make sure on short sales, for a while, they can differentiate between a foreclosure and a, and a pre-foreclosure being a short sale. So you had to make sure you marked the right boxes and you proved it and much other stuff. Now they're pretty much put on the, on the system. But hey, got to keep close eye, be very vigilant, right? The best options... The best, let's see, the best option uh, is a short sale, which occurs when a bank or mortgage lender agrees to discount the loan due to the economic hardship on the part of the homeowner. Homeowner, homeowner sells the mortgage property for less than outstanding balance of a loan and turns over the proceeds to the sale of the lender in full satisfaction of the debt. Let's see, or oh, turns over the property, you know, basically getting the property for it and not coming after for deficiency, right? In such instances, the lender would have the right to, to approve or disapprove a proposed sale. So basically, a short sale is you got to get the lender to prove that you have a hardship, and that what it means that you cannot qualify for a loan anymore. Which means you send the paperwork into them for like when you bought a house, but it's not going to say you don't qualify. So that's when you want to have them say that. That gets the starting point for the approval for a short sale because the bank's going, "Well, things probably back on a short sale," you know, blah blah. Which in big world, it's like you know, it's better than a foreclosure in reference to timelines, other stuff. So it gets weird, but they got they kind of figure it out by the end of the time, but. You know, kind of late for a lot of people. There we go. That's my four cents. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Trying to find where I lost myself. At. Let's, let's just, let's write. It's about 18 minutes. Uh, let's 19 minutes into, into the zone. So we're going to stop on page 219. We'll pick it back up here at short sales again next, next time we talk. All right. Thanks, guys.